Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Untapped. On Coach's Corner, we are talking about the most revealing words people use to describe retirement. Uh, we're talking about a recent article featuring uh, Ray Dalio's Bridgewater hedge fund and um, a discrepancy between what he said and what the article printed. Uh, and we're also going to discuss why the year 536 was the worst to be alive. Finally, we will talk about Black Friday shopping. Enjoy. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of the Financial Coach Group, FC Advisory, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. Welcome to the Thanksgiving episode of Untucked. Hey, hey, everyone. This is Jeff. This is Megan. And Mike. Jeff has a non-Thanksgiving fun fact. Yeah. 6,000 people check themselves into the ER every year with pillow-related injuries. Can you believe that? Can you give me an example? <laughs> I, I absolutely cannot give you an example. Really? Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe like dry eyes or something. I have no, I have no clue. I googled it just because I heard it and I wanted to like double check the fact. And it's pillow related. I mean, do you think like someone sliding down the steps on a pillow or is a that pillow a pillow related industry? The corner of the pillow and the eyeball. Or yeah, something. probably. I didn't even think of it that way. What yeah. did you think of it as? I have no idea. <laughs> Like like maybe the, like a sore neck from a bad pillow. Oh Jesus, that's probably what it is. Mostly, <laughs> yeah. right, good fact, good fact. Thanks. Okay, um, Philly sports, pretty depressing week. I guess unless you're the Flyer, a Flyers fan, you want to start with the Fly guys? Sure. Yeah, they, I mean they're playing well. They're uh, I don't know five games or so over five hundred. They're they're playing well. It's um, exciting, Mike. Things are looking good in in Flyerland. I think. How many people do you actually think are watching the Flyers right now? Four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Flyers fan. I just, for whatever reason, I just, I haven't really gotten into it yet. And I guess it's because of football season and basketball season. I'm more of a fan. But I, I don't know, for whatever reason. And I, I mean, I grew up loving the Flyers, like watching them play um, Gretzky and the Oilers. I mean, that was my bread and butter. My, my aunt lived next, next to Brian Propp and Peter Zezel. Like, I was a huge fan. And for whatever reason, I'm just not getting into it this year. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, the game's never been better and faster and full of more skilled guys. I mean, it used to be like November, December games, regular season games were kind of like, a lot of them were boring and sort of unwatchable. But I don't think that's the case anymore. They're just, I mean, the league is so good. And it's just, if you're a hockey fan, it's just, you know, it's awesome. Maybe the team doesn't have a whole lot of character. Like, Gudis is gone. I, I liked watching him. He was a tough player. Really? Um, yeah, I did. I, I really liked him as a player. Wayne Simmons is gone. I loved watching him. He was, a, he was a tough player. He had character. I don't feel like this team has any real character that I'm excited to kind of tune in and watch. Well, so are you saying that, like, 
Are you are you one of the guys who's like, okay, there's no more, really no more fighting in hockey, so no. it's, it's boring now. No, not nothing to do with fighting. Those people drive me nuts. No, nothing to do with fighting. Just I just don't feel like there's a whole lot of personality on the team. There's not a whole lot of personality in the league yeah, compared true. to other sports, and that's sort of a product of, I think, the kinds of people that end up being hockey players. Yeah. You know? Canadian boys, modest, unassuming, team first, we, 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 not I, I, I. So yeah. I think that's part of it. Well, I mean, I, I, I wish him luck throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Let's, let's, let's talk about your, your birds and your Sixers. I mean, I don't but, think I could have been more accurate with the Eagles so far this year. Um, watch the we are the rolling our and, eyes and the win, for like those a, of you not here around. to see it. My prediction last week was the Eagles were going to get smoked by the Seahawks, and that didn't happen. So I, I, I'm, I've realized I'm not giving the defense enough credit for how well they've been playing lately. Mm-hmm. So I'm very impressed with how well the defense has been playing. But I still feel – I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the balance of the season because they have five games left. It's, the, it's Miami, it's the Redskins, it's the Giants, it's Dallas, and then it's the Giants again. Right, so, so they have to like win out. They're all yeah, they they do, which is very attainable. Doable, I mean, they're yeah. cooking well, games. Well, not the way they're playing. They won't beat any team the way they're playing. They like, will. If they bring the same offense, they will go zero and five the rest of the, whatever it is. Or zero and six. I don't, I don't think it's possible for them to bring the same offense. I just don't think it's possible for them to play that horribly for the next five weeks. I think they're actually going to destroy Miami in Miami this week. Wow. I do. I think Carson's going to get his shit together. You wanted to. You said trade him. Bold predictions. I, I mean, obviously, I was joking about trading. In the trading middle of the game, you're frustrated. All caps, texting. I just told you guy. last week. What I would the hell take, is Wentz doing? I would take Carson Wentz over Tom Brady. You did say that. So, do you still think that? <laughs> Man, it, that's tough after last Sunday. I've never been. I can't remember being this angry watching the Eagles. I feel like that's something we need to address a little bit. Like the level at which you fan is a little bit intense. Yeah, I'm from I'm I'm from this area. I mean, I grew but up. So in, are we. You're from Oxford. That doesn't really count. <laughs> so, on Wentz, right? We're all like we've seen the the poor throws, the bad throws, the missed the missed throws, and. I read something the other day that, and it, it was again, it was like a video breakdown yeah. of the route running. Did yes. you see that? Yes. It's really interesting. Basically, it's pretty poor, right? It, it's, it's horrible. It's basically like saying, like, okay, Wentz threw this ball and it looks like in the dirt, you know. Right. But if you look at what the receiver did, he fooled him. The receiver fooled Wentz, and you can't do that. He's supposed to be at a spot. He wasn't there. Wentz delivered the ball where it should have been. Yeah, and it was this pretty viral, I don't mean yeah, to interrupt, okay. video by Dan. Orlovsky um, that basically breaks down and it's the Seahawks game like the wide receiver route and he says the lack of detail and the effect it has on Wentz so when Miles Sanders was just standing in the flat I think that's a little little different but a lot of the other (laughs) ones Russell Wilson did the the same thing he aired it out over delivers the ball like you know a couple maybe a two feet behind the guy and you're like that's come on put that on his numbers and it's like well Maybe he threw it where it should have been. Yeah, I was listening to my man Ike Reese this week. He's a sports talk show host, a former Eagle on WIP, and he said the same thing. Like, there's there's very little consistency with his his 
receivers. He's got no one. Yeah. The guys that he's built rapport with, he's not playing with right now. So you forget about route running in the NFL, how a lot of it is optional, right? If the defender's playing off, you cut your route short. If the defender's playing up, you go deeper, and there it takes time to develop that. So I'm sure there's a lot of that that's happening right now. I don't, yeah, and I just don't think Carson can – I don't think it's possible for him to play that bad consistently unless he's injured, which is a question mark. I mean, who knows? Yeah, my issue that with him is starting to be just his lack of awareness in the pocket, like not sensing who's around him. He's fumbling all the time because he's just like standing there too long and not doesn't have that like peripheral awareness like a lot of other quarterbacks do it to me, and that's a problem. I believe that's a function of our line being so bad that he has and and not having his normal weapons, he's lost a ton of confidence. So I don't, I don't feel like he looks confident in the pocket. He has no idea which way the receivers are going to go. He has no idea who's going to block who and give him any time in the pocket. So he's absolutely got no con- confidence. When that happens, we see how you're going to play. I just think he's going to be better. I, he can't, he can't he, be worse. He can't be any worse. Yeah. He can't be. So, Doug, just can you please just simplify the playbook? Like, do what you did for Nick Foles. Make it real simple. Get him on a, on a roll. Short passes to Ertz. Short passes to a slot receiver. I don't care who it is. Put this kid Ward out there. And just get them rolling. And I think if they do that, they're going to they're gonna trounce Miami. I mean, absolutely. And then Washington stinks. The, the Giants stink. You can't possibly lose to those teams. It's going to come down to Dallas. Beat Dallas, and you're, you're in the playoffs because Dallas may lose to Buffalo. And the rest, the rest of their calendar is pretty cookie, too. Is that game in Dallas? Or? It's in Dallas. Okay. I mean, if, if, if you had to bet right now, the Eagles make the playoffs? Yes. They, wow. No. <laughs> no, I don't think they run. I think they lose at least one of those easy games, so-called easy games. I think going into it against Miami, like starting with Miami helps. Like hopefully that's a little bit of a confidence booster. Um, Wentz has like a game to get his head on straight. Because I agree. I think now he's probably just a head case and like lack of confidence. He has no time in the pocket. Like that was the biggest difference between watching Russell Wilson and watching Wentz on Sunday was like, Wilson did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, and had the time to do it. And Wentz just was like, anytime he did get the ball off, it was rushed. Hopefully Miami gets them, like, rolling a little bit. So, Sixers, let me ask, Meg, <laughs> let me ask a question coming from a guy who does not watch basketball. Okay. For a superstar player oh, to get zero points in a full basketball game, break that down for me. How's that happen? I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't good. Um, yeah, it would be played probably the worst game of his career. Like basketball playing career, college, professional. Um, on Monday, it was bad. They were in it until the last possession, if that's like the silver lining of it all. It was the worst two minutes of basketball I've watched in a really long time. <clears throat> ben made an did you watch the game at all, no. Mike? <laughs> so we were down one, 
we made an actual defensive stop or we just got our offensive re- I'm sorry a defensive rebound Ben takes the ball down court and tries to alley-oop somebody else on Tobias the team Harris. Tobias Harris and threw like a line drive to him instead of like elevating the ball and it was stolen so that would have put us up too and it was an easy easy play yeah they 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 all played collectively really bad basketball in the last they had the lead they were up, I think, maybe four or six with about two to three minutes left in the game. Yeah. And they ended up losing. It was it was awful. And it just gets back to what I said last week. The team needs a closer other than Embiid. Because if an if 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 another team shuts him down, which they can, not all the time, but they need another closer and they need a smart basketball player. And Ben may be that. It's just going to take some time for him to grow into that because he's not that now. And Tobias Harris isn't it either. So I don't know. I don't know where this team – they need another piece, man. I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think Josh Richardson has been awesome and despite some of their struggles has been better than I think anybody anticipated him being and has filled a void that is – is going to make that piece that they need a lot. It's important, but less significant if he continues to play this way. Um, Embiid was bad. I mean, Marcus all played him awesome in the playoffs last year. And I read on Twitter that like, apparently Marcus is like on a trading block, but like Toronto is not going to get rid of him for the sole reason that he's the only person in the league. Aside from Al Horford, who's now on our team who can probably defend Embiid adequately. They doubled quickly and effectively. The Sixers don't have a very consistent outside threat. So when someone gets doubled, the ball gets kicked and then nothing really happens. So, yeah, I mean, like, they're not perfect by any means. Like, they're freaking, like, 12, what, 11 and 7 and 5, 8 and 7 and 6, whatever. Like, 13 to 15 games in the season. I'm just, I'm not worried about it. You know you keep saying that. Well, they're only like four games into the season. They're only eight There's games in. There's 82 games, dude. 82. It'd be nice if they win the East. That'd be great. Are you seriously like over them already? I'm just not as excited about this season because I don't think they're going to win. I don't mean win games. I mean, they're not going to win the championship. And everyone was geeked up about they have a chance to win the championship this year. They still do. I know they still do. I, if I had to bet on it today, I think they're still a piece short. And that's not Ben's fault. It's not Embiid's fault. Those guys are super talented. I love them. I want them to be Sixers for the rest of their careers. But they, this, this, the, the, the ownership and the management of the team, they keep failing at completing building this team. Right? We went through that, that moment where we tanked for how long? What do they call that? The, the process. process. And they just haven't completed it. And I'm I'm really down on the ownership for that. You know, we keep filling in these pieces. Richardson, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler. I mean, how many pieces are we going to bring in that are so sh- are temporary or short-term? I just don't think they're going to win. So, yeah, I guess I am a little down because I want them to win a championship. But with the way it, the team's constructed now, I don't think it's going to happen. I've never been more excited or more optimistic. <laughs> 
Um, one more sports thing, un-Philadelphia related. Did anyone see the end of the Duke game last night? So Duke what? Basketball? Duke football? Basketball, which, what are we talking about? Uh, there was their home opener, Duke, who's ranked number one in the country. And they played Stephen F. Austin, who wasn't ranked, obviously. Duke's, like, I think it was 120 non-conference win- game winning streak. The, the game, game goes to overtime. I didn't watch the game. I only saw the end. Duke comes down to, to like, run a play on, with less than – we'll call it less than 10 seconds. What's, play, the, what's the score at this point? Uh, tied. I'm going to say 62-62. Okay. I don't know the number, but it's tied. So Duke runs a play. Nothing happens. They end up turning the ball over with, like – but it's a scramble. Stephen F. Austin comes away. A guy comes away with the ball with like 2.5 seconds. Runs. They had a timeout. Runs the length of the floor. Layup. Buzzer. Game. Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> it was. I watched the video like four times. It was awesome. <laughs> Why didn't he call timeout? Well, he they had the ball. Why? I know, but 2.5. The guy got the there. He... He was moving. <laughs> I mean, I was just picturing like all the things that could have gone wrong, missing the layup, bouncing the right. ball off his foot, and then them coming back and why didn't you call a timeout? Right. And then the everybody, because it was in Cameron, the whole bench clears. It was awesome. That's awesome. I saw on Twitter, like nothing brings people together like their hatred for Duke. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, couldn't, couldn't happen to a better team. Okay. Cool. So on Coach's Corner this week, we read an article in the Wall Street Journal called The Revealing Words People Use to Describe Retirement. It was written by Joseph Coughlin and Chai-Woo Lee. Um, and the article d- talks about an MIT Age Lab study that asked 990 adults ranging in ages from 18 to 91 to come up with five words describing life after career. Um, Joseph and Chai Chai Wu write down their responses. The most common words used were happy, relax, and hobbies. And most of the responses were, um, they described them as emotionally positive. I think when most people are asked about retirement, they're going to respond verbally in a positive sense. I don't think that's the way everyone actually feels about retirement. From my experience, I mean, we work with retired or retiring clients. And I would say most women are probably more excited about retirement from our experience or my experience. Most men seem like they're, they're just working because that's what they do. And I feel like they keep working because they don't know what the hell else they're going to do. And I think that scares them. But if you say, hey, well, how do you feel about retirement? Oh, happy. I'm going to I'm going to play golf and do hobbies and, and, and I'm going to, you know, hang out with my family and spend more time with them. But I don't see them, many of them really kind of executing and, 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 and building kind of a game plan for what they're going to do after retirement. Yeah. I mean, we, a lot of our approach is goals based, right? So we, we start engaging with clients and then continue the engagement talking about what they want to accomplish and what they want their retirement life to look like. And that's like the hardest part about what we do is getting good answers to those questions. And a lot of the answers are similar to what I feel like this article describes, like very kind of generic, not specific, 
um, travel, hobbies. Like, okay, where are we traveling to? What are the hobbies that you're going to spend your time doing? So I wasn't surprised at all by any of these answers. Um, I guess the male to female thing, I would probably agree with what you just said. I think that'll change dramatically over the course of the next 25 and 30 years as women continue to work and actually retire themselves as opposed to, you know, be homemakers and then have their husband retire. Um, but I just, I, I was not, the responses were pretty much what I was expecting if people were asked that question because it's the responses we get when we ask it of people. Yeah, and I think the, um, we have to remember that like the idea of retirement and having sort of a game plan and a, and a, a set of kind of, okay, what do you want to do? It's, it's relatively new. The generations before didn't really have life expectancy wasn't right you know such that many people really had to think about these things and and really not only just give some thought to them but but put them into action because we've the other thing is we've seen that people that fail in retirement are the ones that can't figure out how to stay active and connected with people and and all those sorts of things yeah, I mean, I, I think as I approach retirement, I mean, I'm a creature of habit, so I, I, I plan on building what my my week is going to look like. I mean, I love having a, a plan. I love having consistency in my life. So, I foresee me like laying out my week. Okay, Mondays I'm going to volunteer here. You know, these days I'm going to go to the gym. These days I'm going to I'm going to watch or spend time with my grandchildren. I mean, I'm going to lay it out. I don't think many people are doing that at all. And I know my dad specifically, I mean, his business was declining. So he got lucky that someone bought bought the um, the land where his business was, which afforded him to be able to retire. But it kind of came out of the blue. So he had spent zero time thinking about what the hell he's going to do now that he's 62 and he's got possibly 30 more years on this planet. And he just spent the last 50, <clears throat> excuse me, or 40 years you know, going to work in the the same same place every day. And he ended up getting a part-time job and he's like, and he's a, he's handy. So he, he goes to a, he goes to a, uh, an apartment complex and, you know, fixes a hole in the wall and stuff he likes doing. And it's not too stressful on him. He's like the happiest I've seen him in like 20 years. And without that, that little job that he has, I don't know what the hell he'd be doing. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it brings up kind of a good point, which is that most people's number one question is, do I have enough money mm-hmm. to retire? But just as important, the question is, do I, do I have enough activities planned and am I going to be able to keep myself mentally and, and physically active and healthy in retirement? You know, that, that's just as important. Yeah, probably more Maybe so. Maybe more so, yeah. Because what does the financial piece matter if you're not going to be like around or able. I mean, we talk about it all the time with men specifically and the likelihood of, you know, alcoholism, like the the outside influences that can become much more prominent and affect, you know, everything that you've built because you, you don't know how you're going to spend your time. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see as like retirement changes, you know, like, it's not going to be this year that people, this age that people just decide to indefinitely watch. stop working. Right. Um, and people like younger people are doing so much more of the things that people say they're going to do in retirement while they're working. 
So I'm just curious to see, you know, what that will look like and how this type of like feedback, whether it's from our clients that we get it or, you know, in the form of these like silly surveys, like if, if the retirement landscape continues to kind of change and evolve. Yeah, I certainly think it's more important for men to, to put some conscious effort into figuring out what the heck they're going to do um, if they stop working in their traditional role. Because I just think women, they figure it out. They're more social. They have more friends outside of the office or, or their work life. They're more comfortable trying new things or doing new things. And I, I think most men that I have encountered that are you know 60 or older, they're, they're not like that. You know, they're more, you know, want to stick to myself, want to want to sit down and watch a sports game and drink a beer. And that's what you talk about, Meg. It could lead to alcoholism or just um, putting spending too much time watching CNBC and becoming um, politically like enraged and, and yeah. all upset about the markets. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 awful to watch and see. And these some of these of our clients will come in and that's all they want to talk yeah, about. It's like obsessed with the election yeah. and everything. Else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I asked my dad because he wanted to retire yesterday. I'm like, well, what are you going to do with your time? He's like, Meg, I'll just watch TV. And I'm like, <laughs> do you understand how many hours there are in a day that you're looking to replace with just watching TV? Yeah. So I just, I, I and I, it's hard. I mean, I don't think we're, we don't want to discount the fact that like that planning and that forward thinking is difficult. And there are a lot of people who struggle with it. Which again is, I think, some of the value that we provide in a non-traditional sense. I don't think a lot of people go to meet with a financial advisor and expect that exercise to be such a important piece of the planning. But I think it's invaluable, and I think the more our, the longer our clients are with us, and the more we continue to revisit it, and the more that we continue to kind of cheerlead them and help facilitate those non-financial goals is. I mean, it's worth any penny that they, every penny yeah. that they pay us. Yeah, I mean, we just have the experience of, of dealing with so many people that are retired and see what the good ones are doing. So we're able to kind of lead that conversation along for those clients. And like, well, what are you going to do in retirement? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, there's, there's classes at Immaculata College. You can go learn something that you never learned before. You can go learn a language. You can learn a, an instrument. You can volunteer. And huh, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. Well, I mean, you got to spend a little bit of time thinking about this before you pull the trigger. Yeah, that's why we started the retirement mentorship program. <laughs> Looking forward to it, Meg. <laughs> Bridgewater makes a $1.5 billion options bet on falling market. So this was a Wall Street Journal article, again, written by Juliet Chung and Gung Han. <laughs> Why are all the authors? Baneri, sorry, Gung Hong, I'm sorry. Um, okay, so how about we start, Mike? Do you want to just say, it, or maybe give a two second thing about Bridgewater? Yeah, it's the biggest $150 billion hedge fund. Ray Dalio runs it. Um, very well known, pretty successful. Um, and so the this article had that headline, and it's obviously a sensationalist headline intended to kind of. Get clicks and eyeballs and it just talked about the fact that they you know they bought some put options which you will pay off if the if the uh, equity markets fall by march to whatever extent um, but the reality is and ray dalio took to twitter to refute the article saying correctly so saying hey listen we, we are not 
we are not net short, meaning we are we are not we do not have a firm wide bet that the markets are falling. This is just all part. This trade is all part of an overall bigger strategy, which is also accurate. And he said that the author um, he made the authors aware of that, and they went ahead and ran the article anyway with that headline. And he was a little annoyed by it. Um, and and he's right. I mean, this is just another example of. And the article goes on to talk about the um, the upcoming election and how all these people are talking about what's going to happen to the markets if so and so gets in or doesn't, and um, really just a just scare tactics. And um, thought it was interesting just to that, that he Ray Dalio was so vocal about um, how off base it was, and and so I think it's a good example. Yet another example of. A headline being completely misleading um, in this case. I can't believe it took two people to write such a poorly written article. <laughs> it was just a really poorly, I don't know. I don't read the Wall Street Journal a lot. Yeah. Um, I've I've heard from people that like the op-ed pieces are, are really pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, but I I'm read it sure. every day. Do you? Yeah. I mean, are all the art articles typical like this one? There's met a lot of the articles in not just the journal, but the New York Times or anything are, are written with the intention of drawing people to them because they're talking about like, hey, smart, smart investors are betting against the markets. Read this article. It's, you know? it's just it sucks as a consumer of information because like you expect this from TMZ or the New York Post or like, you know, those crazy, I don't know, other media places but wall street journal like this it's it's expected to be a place where people can go for good information it's not good i know the information i mean like i said i don't read it the information is not good it's like they're delivering information to like a two-year-old five times they said according to people familiar with the matter which means you don't have anyone that's really that really cares to give you their name and, and and make a statement um what the heck? Some prominent money managers have also predicted that markets will fall if set. Like, what? It's just it was useless information. I mean, they talked. A, they talked a little bit about what what are options and how do puts work, which is kind of cool. Um, but ugh. It's the appeal is Bridgewater and Ray Dalio. Yeah. It's using that firm and his name to valid like to verify or to legitimate to legitimate legitimize. Is that legitimize. A word? Yeah. Legitimize the the headline I guess. Yeah, I just thought it was cool that he got and I'm not I'm not really a Ray Dalio fan, but I thought it was cool that he got to Twitter to basically yeah. get pissed off about the headline more more than anything. I mean, the facts in it are are the facts. I mean, they do have that trade on, but it does not connect with the the firm has a big bet that markets are going to fall by March. That's just not not the case. Do you think Ray taking to Twitter is just a reaction of his fund losing two and a half percent so far this year? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think Ray's worried about that. It's 150 billion in there, and a lot of that money's his. <laughs> yeah. I I mean the Twitter comments and feeds. I'm just there are so many investment and financial nerds out there. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. get a life. Who would even? care to comment back to, to Ray Dalio about this. 
Oh, that. you get on the wormhole of just reading the threads. Oh, it's cr- it it's insane. Awesome. How much time people waste and spend on here? But like, crazy. if you ever need to feel better about yourself, just do that. Just find a slightly like questionable or whatever tweet and just click on it and read. Yeah, give you a just, nice confidence boost. I guess one of his funds is called like the All Weather Fund. This guy comments, "Come on, 150 billion plus." Is all weather plus pure alpha. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) That's so lame. I can't imagine like sitting at a bar and having a beer with that guy who just made that comment. No. Let me talk to you about alpha, pure alpha investing. Oh my God. All weather fund. My God. I'd rather put freaking pins in my eyes. (laughs) Why 536 was the worst year to be alive? So this was in Science Magazine, a little bit of a new addition to the Untucked lineup. (laughs) 536, the year 536. A mysterious fog plunged Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia for 18 months. It wasn't until recently that they were able to reveal what the cause of that fog was. It was a cataclysmic volcanic eruption in Iceland. So 536 was the beginning of the coldest decade on record. Summer temperatures in Europe were between 34 and 36 degrees. Crops failed. People died. It sucked. Yeah, I mean, it really sucked to <laughs> be unfortunate enough to be like alive, alive then. Because Whew. apparently like there was no sun for like a year and a half. It was just like a moon, moonlight. That's all you had. And people froze, died, crossed. Kill. I mean, it was it's pretty awful. Um, I think... I, I, the dark age. I'm, I'm giving you my. No, I'm with you. I'm <laughs> yeah. with you. Um, it started the dark ages, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so kind of a yeah. It makes you feel like pretty fortunate. We have it freaking good. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm kind of calling bullshit on the article. Oh Jesus Christ! I just don't know how you have any data and information from the year 536. Dude, they like talk about how I they understand. did it. I just They're don't studying trees it. and ice and trees. shit. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. The tree rings? You mean you wouldn't want to have a beer with one of these scientists <laughs> who figured this out? I don't know. That part of the article was kind of dope for me. And maybe it's because this is so over my head. The fact that they can, even if it's complete bullshit, put together something that doesn't sound like bullshit, I'm in. Like, I believe it. I mean, she used the word eruptions like a dozen times. You're a child. <laughs> ash. Yeah, I don't know. By the time she said, by bombarding the shards with x-rays to determine their chemical fingerprint, I checked out. Okay. I mean, I just checked out. Um, I mean, we obviously don't have the intellectual know-how to, like, comment on the validity of any of this. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't (laughs) think we were their target market for Science Magazine. It's amazing that we exist. That's also, I thought of that, too. Like, the fact that this didn't wipe out all of humanity (laughs) is pretty amazing. Like, people just died on the regular from shit that they had nothing, they couldn't help. It's like a scary movie. You know, yeah. people used to have to have 12 and 13 kids because only, like, two survived on average. Right. I mean, that's also, you know, fun, not a, not so fun of a fact. Yeah, anytime there are multiple millions of people dying at once, yeah, yeah you don't you don't want to be alive in that time frame. <laughs> I wonder how long it's going to take for an article to be written about, could you imagine being alive in 2019? 
Well, how long ago was 536? (laughs) (laughs) Roughly 1,500 years. Yeah, it's going to be for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be like, I can't believe people were, like, driving cars around and crashing into it each other. It is always cars with you, dude. Always. Oh, I just think that's... I, I'm Look, just because I'm, I'm ahead of you guys <laughs> mentally, like, no one else seems to think that that's, that's going to be something that we're going to look back on. I'm like, I can't believe people would get in these giant medical metal contraptions and drive 80 miles an hour. They would literally knock into each other and kill each other Every day on the regular. Like, it's so crazy to me, and no one else looks at it like it's crazy. I mean, I I guess I understand what you're saying, but, like, the technology to have that metal contraption drive a human doesn't exist. Just like the friggin' whatever they needed to live through the bubonic plague did not exist. It's... How, it's evolution. It's I, know, like... I know your brain can't comprehend it right now. I know <laughs> I can do that. Like I'm already anticipating people looking back because right. there's going to be future sure. technology. We are going to be looked at as primitive yeah. at some point. Yeah. Absolutely. But just driving to me is like so <laughs> obvious how crazy it is. Literally, the only thing that keeps you from crashing into the person that's driving towards you are two yellow lines on the road. It's crazy to me. Well, two yellow lines and a human behind the wheel. Right, but the human isn't driving the other way just because they're they're mindlessly staying between the white line and the double yellow line. It's just it, it's crazy. Okay. Believe me, most of our audience will agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in the spirit of Thanksgiving. Uh, We're going to talk about Black Friday shopping. This is something that people will look back and say, how stupid was that? Right? I mean, and to me it is. I will never participate in it. I don't get it. I I understand it, I guess. But to me it's just those people that are just obsessed with shopping and stuff and finding a deal at Walmart or whatever. And I I just don't connect with that. My wife loves it. Like, like, she enjoys getting a deal. Like, that's something that that she really enjoys in life is getting a deal. Like, to the point that we will do tons of research, we will spend time, and then we'll buy a car, and we think we got a good deal. Literally, the next day when the car's at our house, she's online checking to see if we got a good deal or if there's other cars available at a cheaper price. Not that we can buy because we already made the deal, (laughs) but she's just obsessed with getting a good deal. Now, she's not one of those crazy people that like leaves at 4 a.m. in the morning. She's not going to get in a fist fight over a TV? Probably not. Probably not. But yeah, she'll go out and spend the day almost every Black Friday and come back with bags of shit and good deals. Because I think think there realistically are good deals that you're getting on Black Friday that you're not getting on other days. My wife will do the research to see, like, there's a there's a specific um, product that one of our kids wants for Christmas. So she she has done research to know what that product costs. And then she sees on Black Friday, it's, it's 20% cheaper. And she goes out and gets it. So there's people that love garage sales. I'm not one of them. This is a giant garage sale to me. You can have it. A garage sale is you're buying someone else's used shit. This is not not that. that. Far off. Some people actually benefit from Black Friday. They save money. I mean, she tells me, 
hey, our kid wanted this bike. It's 150 bucks. I got it for 80. And I'm like, there's no way. She's, look, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I got to be able to find that on Amazon. It's not. I mean, there's legitimate deals that happen on Black, on Black Friday. So is, will Amazon kill Black Friday? This, the what Cyber Monday or whatever it's called? Is that? I don't know. I think there's still a lot of people who like going out. It's not my, I hate it. But I also hate like people and being out in crowds, which I think is more of the the reason I don't participate. Like I'll I'll online shop, I guess. I guess I just don't find like my time is worth more than the thirty dollar deal I'm gonna get. And if I'm not prepared to do the Black Friday shopping on Black Friday, I'm I'm not going to. I'd rather spend the day with my family or with my friends. You just spent the day on Thursday with your family. Yeah. You want, to sp- you want to spend it again on Friday? Maybe more my friends than my family. <laughs> but I don't have to work. Like, I don't want to spend the time at the mall. I think Black, yeah. Black Friday is going to stay around for a long time because I think there are just – people are made up differently. I absolutely despise shopping. M- Melissa will take me to the store or I'll go with her because we're, we're doing something. And we walk into a store, Kohl's call it. I mean, I don't get past the first rack, and I'm all right. I gotta leave. She'll sit there and go around and look at all of the stuff for an hour, and my 12 year old daughter will do the same thing now. She absolutely enjoys it. She loves shopping, like physically shopping mm-hmm. in a store, looking at clothes. I mean, it's 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 the worst thing I could possibly think of doing. I'm with you, hundred percent. So you're just you just fall on that side of the aisle yeah. and hate hate Black Friday Friday and think it's useless, but I think that people are actually saving money. Maybe Pro- well, probably you're right. I'm sure. But where does any, did anybody do some research prior to the pod? I mean, do we know how Black Friday started or the origin of it or anything like no. that? No. Okay. I mean, I think it's ironic that like you spend the day, the pr- day before like thankful, and then the next day is spending all of your money on material items. Right. Like, I think that's yeah. that's not well, lost well, on anybody. Ironic. Yeah. Okay, the shopping sense dates from the 1960s and was originally used with reference to congestion created by shoppers. It was later explained as a day when retailers' accounts went from being in the red to in the black. Oh, interesting. That's a fun fact. I couldn't use that. How would they go into the black if they're giving stuff away for below cost, which is what it sounds like they're doing? I don't think, I don't think it's below cost, which just shows you the markup. My wife gets deals on Black Friday. Just, just, just accept it. Okay, top five. Thanksgiving dinner sides. Who wants to go first? All right, I'll go first because I don't have a – I could barely think of five. Um are we going in order this time, right? We're ranking them? Yeah. All right. Five to one. Five to one. Five. <clears throat> Cornbread. Oh. Four. Your good old green beans. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, I, I'm i going to say, and I don't have this either, but sausage gravy. Anyone, anyone a fan of sausage gravy? It's pretty good, man. Yeah. If it's poured over a biscuit. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Look out. My number two is going to be um, bacon wrapped around something. And in this case, <laughs> it's going to be shrimp. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, then, a, that's a Thanksgiving like side? It, 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 yeah, it can be. Why okay. not? And then number one for me is just twice baked potatoes. Wow. Yeah. Like that's my favorite. 
I'll have like four of them. <laughs> okay. All right. You want me to go? Yeah. Uh, so five is green bean casserole for me. My mom makes really good Brussels sprouts for Thanksgiving. Uh, snowflake rolls. What I could eat. Don't they're the rolls they with like the little like flour sprinkled on top of them. Okay. I could eat five of them like very easily. And the flour is good. Like you typically wouldn't just eat flour. Yeah. But it's, it's good. Yeah. There's something about the amount of butter that is in the roll itself. Um, mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and stuffing is number one. Stuffing like, sucks. Ugh. Oh my god! I know that's a minority view, but stuffing blows. Yeah, you, stuffing is mean? number one. Yeah. I you could eliminate lit- everything else I said and the turkey, and I would be content wow. with stuffing. Okay. Yeah, you could put stuffing on a long roll, and I'd eat it like as a sandwich. <laughs> Really? What is it about stuffing you I don't like? Don't, I, I don't know. It's it's like the onions or the or something. I don't know. It's so it's not, it doesn't it's do so it for good. me. Oh. All right. So I forgot about putting them in order, but I, I think I can do it on the fly. Um, I guess I would go pineapple casserole five. What's it, that? Never had. It's it's like pineapple with like with bread baked. Mm. It's warm. It's got sugar. It's like caramelized. Mm. It's really, really good. <laughs> it's really good. It's like a dessert, but it's a side dish. Okay. If it's made with too much pineapple, like I'm not a huge fan. I like it to be overweighted with with <laughs> bread. With bread. Uh, number four, I would go with. I don't like the the green bean casserole, but my mother in law makes like a broccoli and cauliflower and carrots in a. Um, in a cream of mushroom mixture with the French onion crumble on yeah. top. I mean, that's it's solid. Um, cornbread would be my number three. It has to be done right, though. It can't be too dry. Number two, my sister-in-law does a sweet potato casserole with a brown sugar and candied walnuts, like crumb and topping with marshmallow on top of that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty dope. <laughs> That's a dessert. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a side dish. No, I know. I know but <laughs> and then stuffing. But again, I prefer it that it's cooked in the bird and then taken out uh-huh. as opposed to just the side stuffing. The inside the bird skeeves me a little bit. I don't know why it skeeves people. I mean, what is you're going to eat the bird. I know. I know. No, I and I eat it. Yeah. I just if I, I, I prefer not to know how it's prepared. Because I don't want that to be a block to how much I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> so if the sometimes the, the stuffing in the bird could be a go ahead. What were you going to say? Like softer. Yeah. Yeah. And a little more moist. So See, I would, I like a little bit of a crunch in my stuffing. So I would prefer take the stuffing out of the bird and then kind of cook it a little bit outside and then yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. Gonna have I'm to cut so out hungry right now. It's so ridiculous. given how much you guys love stuffing, do you have it any other time during the year? We do, yeah. You do. Yeah, we do. So my mother-in-law will do a Thanksgiving meal probably two to three times a year outside of Thanksgiving. Full meal. Wow. Full bird. Full all side dishes, everything. Uh, no, I can't title it. The last time I had stuffing was Thanksgiving <laughs> yeah, last year. Yeah. I guess maybe I'll put it on like the Bobby from – it doesn't have stuffing. Yeah. From Capriotis. Capriotis. But like I think I've had one of those in the last mm-hmm. three years. So. The stovetop count? Like stovetop stuffing out of the box? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we do, we do it We do it a good bit. Okay. 
What would be your number one worst side dish of cranberry? Uh, cranberry. Yeah. Okay, so there's multiple forms of cranberry. Would any cranberry. Any, any and all. Any. Yeah, I'm with you. Cans, ew, actual, like, drippy cr- No, you can have Like them. the cranberry. Like, like in, like, the. It's like a sauce almost. Yeah, it's gran- but they're, it's like, the individual. Yeah. Cr- yeah. And I'll also say Brussels sprouts, unless they're um, done, like, the right way. Like, regular Brussels sprouts are the worst food going, by far. They have to be cooked like I cook wow. my Brussels sprouts with bacon. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I, I mean, mean right. you have to mix it up. My mom does like garlic pancetta. They're so good. I do a little brown sugar in there as well. I mean, it's it's I, in my research for today's top five, I came across Bang Bang Brussels, and I like was like Bang Bang Shrimp. Yeah. Like damn. Ooh. That's probably What's really What's it good. like a sriracha mayo? <laughs> bang. I, I, got, I got the title. That was oh. it. Like bang, bang, well, bang, bang, Brussels. Well, that doesn't help me. It's bang, bang shrimp from Bonefish, except you're using Brussels sprouts. That would be good. Yeah, it would be really good. I might have to do it. Okay, well, happy Thanksgiving, listeners. All right. Thanks Enjoy. for listening, guys. <laughs> That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. Um, the articles we discussed on today's pod will be linked in the episode description on either Spotify or iTunes. Make sure you follow our Twitter at Untucked Pod for updates on new episodes. See you guys next time.